Welcome to another episode of Chris Reed's Book. Welcome to this week's episode of Chris Reed's book. As always, I am Chris Pullman. This week, again, I will be reading another chapter or two out of my second sci-fi novel. Uh, a title of that, which I don't have memorized because I call it by the proto-name that I gave it, um, should be Martian Reporter Humanity's New Hope. And the chapter I'm going to read is The Secret, Part 1. So this is just continuing the story uh, that I'd started in previous episodes, previous weeks, of this reporter, James Hall. Uh, and then we also get some backstory in here. So um, this is kind of happening in this mind space of James Hall, that's where we start, because if you remember in last week's episode, um, I'm just rereading the end of last chapter, we had learned uh, about a secret uh, kind of hideaway underneath of LNH bar that had stuff in it that was meant for Jim James Hall and uh, this week we're going to have some discussion between uh, Jim and some of the others in his head some of the previous netedics from 500 years ago who still exist as kind of uh, bodiless minds in his head all right, so the secret part one. Are you sure? Melinda asked her husband, James. Quite. I've been poring over this nonstop for days. But what does that mean for us? Jim Hall asked him. It means that Eric used my abilities to construct it, then to encode it so deeply that no one other than me could get at what was inside. It's encrypted? Jim asked. Heavily much more sophisticated than anything possible in reality. Multiple layers, and within each layer there are tiered traps and dead ends. When I fled here from the censors, his personal firewall was built similarly, Jim Hall said. It would make sense, Melinda added. Despite the appearance of a sunny day, Nar Defense's third-floor conference room felt shrouded and dark. If Eric wanted to leave us a message, this may have been the best way to do so and keep it a secret. And by using the same process in real life, the memories of doing this in here would appear as ghosts. Her husband nodded in agreement, beginning to pace. What would be so important, though, he asked, and how could he have kept chaos distracted long enough to build something so complex? He held aloft the object of their attention. It was a higher dimension object that appeared as a sphere, a cube, a diamond, changing all the time. 
Clouds of gas seemed to swirl around within the shape and were lit from within by tiny bursts of energy. Looking at the object turning it, everything seemed to alter it. It has to be a key, he said as he gazed into the object. Jim could feel him concentrating on it and saw an emerald green swirl form where his gaze met its surface. A key, Melinda asked, likewise gazing deeply at it. James's eyes kept drifting between him, Melinda, and the object. Something to unlock? Something else important? He reasoned quizzically. Bright flashes illuminated it from within, its shape shifting chaotically in his hand. He shook his head and blinked several times as the object settled back into a more docile state. Damn, he murmured. Another dead end? Jim asked. Indeed. Both Eric's and my fingerprints are all over this thing. Amazes me that he could do it without me, let alone chaos, knowing. Is there anything I can do to help? Jim asked. The now familiar twinge began in his mind, though he quickly defected deflected it with a smirk. James Christopher returned the smile. You're learning quickly. No, nothing you can do yet. But best would be to continue le your lessons. Jessica should be along momentarily. Jim Hall's throat caught. Memories flashed through his mind. Jessica, my love... He fell forward, catching himself on the back of one of the conference room chairs. A whole parade of memories flashed before his eyes. Their first meeting was in Nar's original conference room. She had caught his eye then. But there was something more that drew him to her. A yearning. They embraced. They kissed. They made love time and again. Clouds rolled in on themselves. They changed. Jim couldn't control it, couldn't stop it. She was in his way. She had to be dealt with, to be turned. A pain such a Jim had only known in memory transfer between Eric and he seized him. Oh, every part of him tensed. He lost his grip on the chair and fell to the ground, and yet there he was, entering the commands to turn Jessica into little more than a high-level drone. Jim screamed. He raged, he fought against it, but all his struggles bought him was a growing sense of helplessness and impotence. A dark voice pervaded his thoughts, looming over his mind even as James Christopher and Melinda crouched over him. Their mouths moved, but there was no sound save the dark looming. Cease your foolish struggle, the voice demanded, but Jim resisted it. Oh, so much pain! He twisted on the ground as he watched the progress of the pro of the program on the screen. Jessica, no! Quiet, you! You're no more than a pawn to me now. He raged for nothing and felt a tugging on his mind. Then Melinda too gasped. Jim cranked his neck toward her, locking his eyes with hers. They went wide, her countenance paling to near death. Quickly, she fell from the balls of her feet, pushing herself back until she hit a chair. There was primal fear in her eyes. She turned her head from Jim, reaching up and in back of hers as she tried to crawl up and away. He felt his mind harden, clutching Melinda's in the process. She stopped, dead still. 
James was now directly over him, grabbing his shoulders and shaking him as James demanded to know what he was doing. You're helpless in my grasp, the voice loomed, and if you continue this pointless struggle, I will send her to death. Melinda's expression took on a pained look, more gruesome than he thought possible. Yes, that has your attention, doesn't it? At least if she's alive, there's hope. If she's dead, nothing. His body convulsed. James was no longer standing over him. Somehow, he knew James had gone to call for help. Such a strange action, considering all this was occurring within Jim's, Jim's mind. More images flashed before him, ones of, of empty passion, of control, of battle. Jessica. Jessica is lucky pawn. Jessica is temptress. Jessica is general. Kill. Rampage and ravage. Burn the land and boil the seas with your fury. <laughs> then return to me, trophy in hand. Oh, macabre sight. Such trophies you bring, Jessica, my child of darkness. <laughs> he could see the emotions that warred within him play across Melinda's face. D'Andre was on his way. He was perhaps the only one who could help right now. What was Jim doing to Jessica? At once he knew it wasn't him, but could not separate himself from the memories. Why? None of the others had elicited such strong reactions. No reactions, in fact. What... What was this thing? Oh, he knew this voice. The recognition was there in Melinda's face as well. <laughs> Send her in. Send in Jessica. She can do this for us. It will even the odds. Send her in. Send in Jessica. To Wisconsin. To their heart. Stab at their heart. That at least made sense. Stab at their heart, yes. And Jessica was a perfect tool. She was a progenitor. She could infect them and bring them all under his control. Send her in. Yes, send in Jessica. Send her to Atmo, to Wisconsin. He was at a terminal tapping in the commands. It must be late. One eye kept closing on him, and his hands were being moronic. They kept mishitting keys send in jessica send her into atmo i will do my best came jessica's voice i know you will he thought just a few more changes so tired even melinda was losing focus oh this is a dangerous plan we know the risks love either way i shall be free she thought send her in Send in Jessica. He had altered something in the code in Chaos's base nanitic coding. It was a doorway. It was an opening into which James and Eric could shove a wedge. One Chaos didn't see. Now he and Jessica had to be sure they found the inroad. Send in Jessica. Send her in. Into Wisconsin. To, t to Atmo. To the TDF. It worked. She went in. She managed to get onto the base. It worked. She was captured. She synced with them. That hole in time must have been the cause. They had her. No matter. She was just a pawn. 
launch an attack. Send a small force in somewhere. Sting them. Hit them hard. Chaos was vindictive. Jessica may only be a pawn, but they would pay for taking even one pawn. He launched the attack. A surgical strike at an outpost. It had its effect. Just long enough of a distraction back at TDF in Wisconsin for Jessica to break free. He remembered her coming back home. She'd made it. But there was something wrong. She felt different. He convinced her to let him examine her. He accessed her nanite base code and it happened. Almost instantly the virus was uploaded and took effect. No! What is this? Chaos raged, both him and not. It was clear as the code scrolled by. It was a virus designed to implant a new command, something counter to Chaos's programming of the nanites. Free will. No more mindless drones. Unimaginable rage consumed him. They turned toward her. She did this to them. She brought this back. What is happening, love? She asked him. He could feel what Chaos intended. It was her fault. She did this. It would mean our end. Run, he screamed to her in his mind. Linda looked to be in a cold sweat, her nostrils flaring. A mix of pity, fear, and concern washed across her face. Jessica couldn't have heard him sitting there placidly as they approached. At last she understood, fear capturing her face. She tried to fight back, but they used her own powers against her, paralyzing her with fear. They clasped her neck in both hands. She tried to struggle through the fear, but they were too strong. He tried to fight it, but Chaos had seen the whole plan now, knew what Jessica and he had done behind Chaos's back. Mentally, Chaos stood behind him, holding his hands. They crushed her windpipe more and more. First, there was a pained expression on her face, coupled with confusion and pleading. Then, slowly, her eyes dulled. Her struggling weakened. And then her grip on their forearms slackened. Just as he felt her life slipping away, she managed. Adam, my love... Why? Chaos held them on for minutes more. She was dead, and he had killed her with his own hands. It had been the first time in a long time Chaos allowed him any control over his own body. And it was for this. Jim Hall's mind snapped back to the present, to him on the concrete room floor. There, instead of staring at Melinda... He was looking at someone else familiar. Realization struck. He broke down. He cried. Begged for forgiveness. He could hear the same coming from where Melinda was. He was looking at Jessica. Living, alive, confused Jessica. She looked over her shoulder in Melinda's direction. I killed you, Jim Hall managed. I I didn't mean to, but it was me. Her head slowly turned back to gaze at him, concern and confusion painted on her face. What? she asked. Jess, 
he said, reaching up for her with his right hand, gently, oh so gently, as Adam had done a thousand times, he brushed a loose strand of hair from her face, continuing down her jaw, tracing her chin, then moving back up to cradle her head in his hand. She stood bolt upright. Now he could see James tending to Melinda, temporarily turned about by the sudden movement. Behind Jessica stood Dandre. "'What'd he just do?' asked Andre. She moved her hand along her face, feeling where Jim had caressed it. Confused still, but coming to understand, she asked, Adam? Part of him. What's left of him? Jim said, starting to sit up. Melinda likewise started to rise. I saw all of it, Melinda said. We had suspected, but she trailed off. What's going on? James Christopher asked. They just shared a very intense memory, stated Dandre. One of Adam's, probably triggered by... Dandre said, trailing off. Probably triggered by Jessica. Or at least by knowing she was coming, Jim said in reply, standing up. He knew her now like he knew none of the other nanetics. It was different somehow, more intimate. He knew every part of her, inside and out, every part of her body and her mind. That alluring scent, a mix of strawberries and springtime fields, her taste, her touch, that nervous twitch of hers. Nothing was kept from her. The memories had been Adam's. I don't understand, Jessica said, seeking understanding in her companion's gazes. Jim just absorbed a remnant of Adam's memories, Jess, Melinda said, wiping her face dry with one hand as she ran another along Jessica's shoulders, reassuringly. Jessica was still feeling her face where Jim had touched her. Chaos? she asked pensively. No. No, Adams, Jim replied, taking a small step forward. Jessica retreated a step. Raising both palms to her, he added, Many remnants of his memories. Many. Many. Both love and plotting. Life and death. He had to pause a moment, composing himself for what he would say next. You knew it wasn't Adam, don't you? She nodded. Yes. Even then I knew somehow. When he didn't respond to my thoughts, I knew something was wrong. That he was being kept from me. I never meant to put you in harm's way, Jim said without thinking. Jessica cringed slightly. I know Adam didn't she replied but we both knew what had to be done to subvert chaos Melinda and Andre had knowing expressions on their faces now though it was James Christopher's turn to be confused what do you mean he asked Jessica what do you think she asked we went after Ad Admiral in Wisconsin that night there were plenty of softer targets around the US 
we were there because it was the most likely place for me to get caught, by which you would be able to analyze the code within me and hopefully, as happened, use the holes Adam made in that code to send back a Trojan horse. We knew we could help make a difference where the rest of you could not. Out of Jim's peripheral vision, he saw James slowly nod. Jessica asked everyone else, What all did you see? Melinda cleared her throat and blushed slightly as pieces of memories again flashed through Jim's mind, this time without the debilitating physical effects. Again, he experienced feelings of intimacy, nights of passion, shared moments, subtleties of expression, Adam's fall, and Chaos's betrayal. Remnants, he said, but of everything. Thanks, thanks to what I'm already capable of, he said, nodding toward Andre. The rest filled in by itself. Belinda gently clutched Jessica's shoulder, reaching around and rubbing the other. After a few deep breaths, Jessica said, Well, <laughs> then, I guess you really don't need to get to know me any better before we start training, huh? The manner in which she said it kept them all silent a heartbeat until she gave a small chuckle. After a moment, Jim said, I guess not. Extending his left hand as he stepped forward, Jessica was, after all, a lefty. He said, Jessica, may I introduce you to me? <laughs> James, Jim, Hall. She grasped his hand, saying, Pleasure to meet you, Jim. Then she pulled him into a friendly embrace, saying quietly, And thank you. And that is the chapter. That was The Secret, Part 1. Uh, for comparison, that was about a six-page chapter. And uh, I think that I record these at about two to three minutes per page. So, future chapters, I can try and give you the page count up front, and that should give you about how long it's going to take for me to read that. Looking at the length of this recording so far, I'm guessing it's about three minutes per page or so. Um, anyway, thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed my reading of this chapter and you want to hear the rest they're available out on iTunes or your favorite podcast application just search for Chris Reed's book uh, otherwise you can head over to my website that's narclaninc.com n-a-r-c-l-a-n-i-n-c dot com uh, and then either just directly in the in the address bar slash Chris Reed's book or on that front page you can navigate to the podcast section of the site to the Chris Reed's book page and there right on the page are all the back mp3 files of all my other recorded episodes so those are available for you to stream or download to an mp3 device there should also be button links out there for you to find me on Twitter and on Facebook and to email me directly at this podcast you can also find me 
uh, out on Facebook. You should be able to search for, um, for well, probably Chris Reed's book, but if not, uh, just go and use the link on the Narclan Inc. site. That'd probably be the easiest. And again, you know, uh, please do head out to iTunes, your favorite podcast application, and uh, subscribe so that you get the latest episodes of Chris Reed's book downloaded to your device automatically. If you enjoy these episodes enough that you want to help support me right now, the best way you can support me is to share these episodes with other people, get them help get them interested in my writing, because this is part of me trying to become a professional author. That is what I want to do, and uh, I'm working a day job, but if writing takes off for me, then I'll start doing that. And you can help me in that process by helping me get the word out there about my words, my collected words, all of them in book form, or in this case, podcast form. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, hope to hear from you out on social media or by email. And in the meantime, have a good weekend.